Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I'm Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Randy's got the night off, but that's all right. We're going to keep moving because we got a big one tonight, Jim. We got season six, episode one, titled Difference Maker, because we got the difference maker himself, the starting quarterback of the University of Memphis Tigers, Seth Hennigan, joining us tonight. But before Seth joins us, Jim, it's been a great week, you know, really a great weekend of of MLB leading to the All-Star game. But most importantly, it's draft for our guys, our college prospects, our guests. It's been awesome. So, you know, from your perspective, tell me a little bit about how you feel, you know, about it all. I mean, the key to this show is we don't just get these bad stories, but we become fans of them. We root for them. We want the best for them. That being said, in the first 10 rounds, Daniel, in the first two days, 15 off the bench guests have been drafted. So could not be happier for these guys and ready for the next step of their journey. 15, man. Hey, tip my hat. You're getting quality character, guys. Tip my hat to our guests and those guys that got drafted. And, you know, the journey starts here for them. But speaking of the journey, we got to bring on our guest, man, because his journey has been off the chain. He started as a freshman at the quarterback spot for the University of Memphis, man. And I don't want to waste any more time. Let's jump right into the biggest interview in podcasting this week. University of Memphis quarterback Seth Hennigan. Right, Seth, my man, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. How about yourself? Good. We're blessed. Um, it's it's one of my, my favorite days. We get to have a tiger on the podcast. Obviously, if you can tell from the background, um, big fan, born and raised in Memphis. Um, you know, met my wife at the University of Memphis. So it's near and dear to my heart. So anytime we get a chance to talk to one of the athletes, I'm 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 all about it. So uh before but before we get into you um, and your story and, and kind of taking us through the journey of Seth Hennigan, man, I, I got to ask, obviously, you know, I did, I did some research uh, and I found out you are a, a video game, you know, mobile game guy. However, we, we like to ask all our guests about their movie experience. So I'll ask you, man, what's your favorite sports movie? Uh, my favorite sports movie? I've got to go with The Sandlot. Solid pick, man. Solid pick. Not a football movie, a baseball movie. I like it. It's very wholesome, fun for the whole family. Um, you know, with that, obviously, those those kids in that movie have a lot of, you know, heroes growing up. Babe Ruth, obviously, being, you know, the the one depicted in the movie. But for you, man, what who is your all time favorite athlete? Um, my all time favorite athlete, I'd probably just have to go with Tom Brady. Just his ultimate oh. leader ultimate winner you know he does whatever it takes to win games and that's what it's all about so daniel he picks my favorite movie and then goes with tom brady man ah that's i'm i'm down here in tampa and 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 that's what that's what winner winners do man they they come down here so i i can feel you y'all fit right in together i mean he played for (laughs) memphis tom brady tampa i got you but you know what let's get into it seth you know where is it you're originally from 
Uh, I'm from Denton, Texas. That's where I say I'm from. But I'm from a couple different areas in Texas. We bounced around a little bit growing up. Would, uh, where would Denton be? Like, what's uh, the largest city is close to? I mean, it's close to Dallas, I guess, like 45 minutes away. But Denton in itself is pretty big. There's uh, UNT's there. It's pretty – it's kind of growing. Pretty good population. Don't, don't let me find out the trifecta. Don't let me find out you grew up Do a it. Cowboys fan, too. At- no, what? You grew up a Cowboys fan, did you? Uh, no, not necessarily. No. Okay. Okay. We were we were we were gonna go off the rails here because that's Daniel's team too. And I was gonna be like, all right, the parallels between you two is getting to be a little too much for me. But anyways, man, growing up, you know, what were the dynamics? You got any siblings in the house? What's up? Uh, I have two brothers, one older brother and one younger brother. My older brother is two years older, and he goes to Texas University of Texas. Then my younger brother, he's five years younger than me. Uh, lefty plays quarterback as well, so he he'll be next up. So needless to say, you're a middle child. You got two brothers. They're, you know, athletes. You know, how competitive was it growing up? Uh, it was uber competitive. Uh, everything we did, I was always trying to outmatch my brother who's two years older than me. So that helped me uh, just try to stay on par with his physical attributes. But he was older than me. So uh, I was getting beat up on. And then I would just pass it down to my little brother. So it was just Poor like, little brother ain't got nobody to pass it down to. That's messed no. up. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I see your dad was obviously your high school coach. And we'll get into high school in a minute. But at what age did he really start coaching you guys? I mean, did he catch you as soon as you could start walking? Um, I mean, he really let us decide our own path, to be honest. Uh, he would always ask me if I really wanted to do this, if I really wanted to be a Division One football player. Um, but it was really, I'd say, high school that he really took me under his wing and started to develop me uh, as a quarterback and as a as a person. But, like, up until then, he kind of stayed away. And my, my grandpa coached me in Little League, uh, his dad. Um, so he didn't really, like, take me under. Like, he taught me the fundamentals, and we would throw the ball around. And obviously I knew he was a head coach of a football team because I would go every single Friday. But um, in terms of, like, coaching me, he really took me in in high school. He let me decide what I wanted to do if I wanted to take this path. So most guys as athletic as you didn't only play a sport like football growing up. Did you play anything else growing up? Um, I played basketball until my sophomore year of high school. But, like, I was always I, – I broke my hand. I broke my nose. Like, I was injury prone in basketball, not football. You know, sometimes parents don't let their kids play football because they think they'll get hurt. But really, for me, I was always getting hurt playing basketball. So uh, I cut it. I cut my basketball career a little short uh, after my sophomore year of high school. Though. Yeah, that's a, that's a little backwards for for most people. Yeah, we got a lot of guys on here. It's amazing how many guys that uh, that play football on the D one level that weren't allowed to play until like high school because their parents didn't want them to get hurt. But yeah, for you, it's basketball. Could you you got a jumper at least? Uh, no, nah, not really. he's honest Daniel we love him all right so you know you get to high school where did you go to high school at went to high school in Denton Ryan high school all right so you know we're from Tennessee so we hear about the Friday night lights in Texas here it's just completely different is everything they do and they say to hype it up is it true um I'd say yes compared to Tennessee at least I went to a Collierville game and, you know, respectfully, like, it's hard to compare the two in terms of my high school. My high school was pretty prestigious, even for Texas high school. Uh, we had a lot of talent going through there. So, 
I mean, I think Texas yeah. football is the best football, but maybe yeah, we're not, not gonna, we're not gonna take it personally. I mean, they don't make movies about Tennessee football. You're you're yeah. good. You can you can keep it on us. So you know, we talk about dad being your coach. You know, is it added pressure when you get to high school and you start playing football for him, or does it make it easier that it's your dad? Um, I mean, I'd say added pressure, just because people people like judge you and they think that you're the quarterback just because your dad's the coach. I got that a lot uh, in high school and as did my brother, my older brother. And so like, whenever you hear that, I mean, you take it personally and then you have to just prove yourself every single day that, you know, I'm really, I'm good at this stuff. Like I'm not here just because my dad let me be the guy. I'm here because I earned it and because I'm a good football player. So, I mean, I'm sure it was added pressure for him just to know that like his son had to perform. But for me, it was the same deal. Like I knew he was my coach, but you know, it wasn't, it, I didn't get the easy route just because he was my coach. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, going for 7,234 yards, 79 touchdowns with just 14 picks. I think that kind of uh, verified that your dad wasn't playing a little favoritism there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you, uh, you know, you led Denton Ryan to a 39 and two record over the, the three seasons you were there. You went to the 2019 5A division championship, uh, uh, 2018, you went to the semifinals, you know, obviously uh, some really good seasons, some really good stats we're talking about. Uh, first, I want to start, you know, because we want to focus more on Memphis, but from high school, you know, without getting deep, you know, do you have like a favorite moment, just that standout moment from when you were playing high school football? Uh, I'd say the state championship my senior year, you know, I was leaving for college the next day and just being able to share that moment with my dad, who it was his first state championship win as a, head coach um so that was really special for me so clearly I was going to ask what your favorite season is but it's got to be the senior season right yeah for sure yeah man that's pretty special getting to share it with your dad now you said your younger brother is two did you said your older brother is two years older than you how how much younger is your younger brother he's five years younger than oh, okay me. I was curious if he might get to be on the team or a part of that um mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, when did you get on college's radar? Because you talked about leaving the next day, but when did you actually start getting on college's radar and football? Um, I got my first offer the week of the state championship game my junior year from Houston, actually. Um, but so that, that was my first offer. And then my recruitment picked up my junior spring. But then COVID came, so uh, colleges didn't really get out. We didn't have a spring ball my junior year. And then, uh, so yeah, so, I mean, if I had a spring ball my junior year, I probably might've gotten some more attention, but things worked out the way they did. But yeah, the the week of my state championship run my junior year was my first stop. So kind of a double loaded question, you know, first of all, was Memphis like the only school, like not the only school that recruited you, obviously you just talked about Houston, but like, was it the only school that you were even considering? And if so or not, you know, why Memphis? Um, I mean, there's a couple other schools, Nevada mainly and San Diego State, that were good in the recruiting process, and they continued to talk to me and text me and call me, things of that nature, to try and recruit me to their schools. But uh, Coach Silverfield is the main reason that I came to Memphis. He recruited me the, the best out of high school, and he talked to me the most as a head coach, trying to uh, get to know me and wanted me at Memphis. Um, but what was the second part of the question? So, like, was there any other schools that you were really considering that were, you know, maybe I, I will consider this just as much as Memphis, or was it definitely Memphis? 
Uh, I think it was definitely Memphis, just because uh, the offense, the the people, the culture. Uh, I visited Memphis and then San Diego State and Arizona. Those are the only schools that I got to go to the campus. And as soon as I got to Memphis, I committed, and it was somewhat early. But I'm I'm so I'm surprised. You know, I actually was stationed out in San Diego and was right there on the San Diego State campus. It's beautiful out there. I might have considered California just for the weather, Seth. Oh yeah, it was it was beautiful out there for sure. And in Arizona, actually, the weather was nice when I went there. But you know, the ball. I'm, I'm here for the football. So <laughs> yeah. Memphis. Seth said he would prefer his you know, his practices these days to be 99 degrees and 2000% humidity. He's, <laughs> he's just that kind of guy. Yeah, He, he wants it to be hard. He wants it to be harder. Exactly. Um, so, so Seth, obviously, you know, you talk about coach Silverfield and him being a contributing factor to the reason why you chose Memphis, but what, what exactly was it that he did? You said that you know, it was the things he did for you. Like, what is it that he did? Was it personal connections? Was it coming and visiting you? Was it follow-up calls? Like, what what was the one thing? I mean, I'd just say building that, the relationship that we had and uh, just building that trust, I guess I would say. He would call me a lot and just try and get to know me and check in on me and ask me questions to, like, test my IQ, I guess. Um, but just he would constantly be talking to me and other schools, they didn't do that. They just lacked communication. They didn't, they didn't recruit me. They would offer me, but then nothing else. And that just kind of confused me. I'd be like, what did you offer me? But Coach Schofield and his staff, they offered me, and then they've recruited me, and they continue to recruit me. So, uh, I mean, I got to know him very well through those calls near my recruitment process. And then, I mean, our, our bond has just gotten better and better since I've got to campus. Um, so, I mean, yeah. So you obviously you you choose Memphis and you know you come in and there's a a pedigree and a lineage now and a history of uh quarterbacks. I mean, you know, you going back to Danny Wimprine all the way to you know most recent Brady White, like there's you know some some big time names, some really good record book guys that are in there was being the starting quarterback um on the table when you first came in or you know obviously there was guys like Grant Gannell those guys were there but was the talk that you're going to have a chance to be the starter or was it come in get acclimated to the system and you know and then after a year you might have a chance to start what was those conversations like uh, I mean the conversations that the coaches told me were that I had the potential to be the starter and had the opportunity to compete, you know, competition is always a word that's thrown around with college coaches and, you know, whether it may be true for or not, uh, that happened to be the case. And I mean, I knew in my mind, I had the opportunity to be the starter um, the whole entire time, but I didn't know Grant was coming there in the spring, to be honest. Like I thought it was just going to be me, uh, Keelan Brown and Peter Parrish. And then I don't know who else, but I mean, I wasn't thinking straight. I mean, obviously, we're going to bring more quarterbacks into the room. But uh, I felt like coming in, I had the opportunity to start, and I felt like I would be the best option. So that's just how I took it. So obviously, you 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 do end up getting a chance to to be the starter. Um, you know, what is that feeling like when they go, Seth, you're the guy, you're QB1, you're going to be starting for us, you know, 
first game of the season. What's that like? Uh, I mean, I just try to take it day by day. Everything in life, really. Just try and live the day and do the best I can every single day and not think about the future, really. Um, so I just lived every single day. I practiced hard. I tried to study the playbook hard and show the coaches and show my teammates and show uh, the fans just that I'm not got, like I can do it. Like I'm going to be the guy for us. You know, obviously, you know, you go into that first game, Nickel State, um, you got 30,000 fans at the Liberty Bowl. Um, you know, everybody's excited. Everybody's pumped up. Game one, you know, at home. Um, was was there any emotion? Was it pressure? Was there stress, anxiety? Or did you kind of push all of that to, to the side and go, you know what, this is what I prepared this whole time for was this moment? Um, I mean, I'd say, yeah. I was just like, I prepared for this. I'm ready for this. Uh, I've done, you know, saying I used to say, or my dad used to say in high school to our team the night before the games was the haze in the barn. Like, the work is done. It's time to, like, showcase what you've done uh, and just play freely and, you know, attack every play how you practice it a million times. So uh, I'm never too stressed or I haven't been so thus far in my career about a game. I'll just go out there and say to myself, I've done the work and I'm prepared for this and then just try and execute the best I can. Do you feel like um, you played well in game one or do you feel like you played okay or did you play, you know, to a, to the expectation that you thought you would being, you know, the guy in game one, you know, at a new school? Um, I mean, I thought I played okay. Um, I mean, we didn't punt the ball, so we scored every single possession, but we kicked way too many field goals. Over the course of the whole season, we didn't – I didn't really execute that well in the scoring area. Um, so that's one thing, like, I really – kind of focused on during spring ball and will continue to do and showcase this season is just uh, executing in the scoring zone and trying to score touchdowns, and not put our field goal unit on the field. But the first game was just okay. Uh, squandered some opportunities. I was like, I was scared to run the ball, to be honest, at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, I did okay. Daniel, I'll be honest. I mean, you know, obviously, because Daniel obviously told you he stays in Tampa. I stay – um, in mm -hmm. South Haven. So I got the Memphis radio and, you know, a, a lot of the local radio shows didn't know what to expect from you. And, you know, you say it could have been better game one and it can always be better. It's always room for improvement, but they were very pleased. I remember listening to the shows and like, all right, you know, this Hennigan kid can play. So. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, as, as, as a fan, man, to be honest, you know, it's, we go in with, you know, and Memphis is notoriously bad for this is you know, when things are really good, they forget how, you know, the, there's a learning curve sometimes. And I feel like, you know, you step foot on the field and like me being a realist, I'm like, all right, there could be some learning curves that happen. I don't think we're going to lose this game. And I don't think, you know, Seth is going to have a bad game, but I want to see if this is something that is going to be able to propel us and be something steady that we can rely on for the remainder of the season. And man, I, you know, from that standpoint, you did ex absolutely that you, you, you went out there, you were poised, you looked good. You went out there, you know, 
with a with a clue and you know you got things done you commanded the the offense you did exactly you know from my vantage point of what i wanted to see because i felt comfortable going into the next week going hey we got a guy and he's going to be good um you know there was none of that you know anxiety you know that you know people talk about well what's next you know can we are we going to be able to do something with this um you know so you know kudos to you man a lot of hard work paying off dude and you know when i when i talk about hard work paying off i mean you you were eligible to play you know despite injury 11 games you were the first true freshman to start a season opener in program history man you went on your first season to complete 235 of 393 pass passes for 3322 yards 25 touchdowns you finished the season ranked 11th in the nation in passing yards per game with 302 12th in total offense 14th in passing yards per completion 19 in completions per game and 20th in in, in passing yards man and i i gotta give you one of these for that take that for data because man those are like a true freshman going on the field against some of the teams that you did dude you 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 did it man you were an absolute badass man what a what a good good solid you know first freshman season and you know i i have to ask like were was there numbers in your head where you're like all right my goal is to be this or to do this you know once you solidified the starting role did you go all right my goal is to have this many passing yards this many touchdowns or was it I'm just going to go out there and try to do my best and whatever happens happens. Uh, I mean, yeah, most people would say they would have goals cause good to set goals, obviously, but my goal was just to try and win every single game and win every single play uh, and execute it the way it's supposed to be. Because in my mind, if I executed every single play then it would lead to wins, lead our team to success. Um, so I wasn't really ever thinking about statistics or, or accolades or anything like that. But I mean, things just kind of ended up that way. You know, our offense kind of geared more toward the pass uh, by the end of the season. And we're kind of leaning on Calvin and myself and Sean Dykes and our receiving core uh, to throw it more. So, I mean, that's just how things worked out. Um, but no, nah, I didn't really have any have any statistical goals just besides winning. Well, you, you ended up leading all true freshman quarterbacks in the country in completions, attempts, yards, and touchdowns. Um, you know, you, you passed for, you know, over 3000 yards, you broke Paxton Lynch's single season record for, uh, passing yardage as a freshman, um, 463 passing yards at Tulsa, the fourth most passing yards in Memphis history, man. When you hear things like that and your name being brought up, um, with guys like Paxton Lynch, who went on to be, you know, and, you know, a high caliber quarterback for the program, you know, do you think, do you go, man, like I, I can do something special here. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think uh, coming to this program, I knew to a certain degree what I was getting myself into. Um, and I wanted to be what, what's kind of happening right now. Like, I feel like I'm on the road to where I want to be in the future and where I want to take our program and take myself um, in my life, but, you know, I just try and take things day by day and not really go too crazy or think about the future. 
or anything like that or think about records being broken. I would just try and, you know, play the game the way it's supposed to be played and just do my best to help our team win. And yeah. what, what would you say is your, your favorite game or favorite moment in, in last, last season? Um, I mean, I'd probably say Mississippi State, or that's the one everyone was most excited about. But, I mean, I guess for me personally, I might even say just Arkansas State, just because I felt like that was my coming out party. Like, like I had a good game in my eyes. Um, and, like, all my teammates and Coach Johns, the offensive coordinator at the time, they really, like, they were like, okay, like, like I see you. Because I had, I had a, like, 400 yards that game, no interceptions. Uh, it was a good game for me. And that's when people kind of, they started respecting me more on the team and they're like, okay, let's do it. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take you back. I want you to listen. I got a, a, a clip for you. This is my favorite moment of the season. Cause it, it made me a true believer in your abilities and the fact that I think that we got something special in you. Tigers have scored on their first two drives. Seth Hennigan, the true freshman, heaving it deep. It is caught. Oh, what a throw. Javon So that was you throwing to Javon Ivory, but let me let me break it down for you because you, you, you couldn't see the clip. You could just hear it. It's against Temple. Temple's rushing, I think, three or four guys, and they're all coming at you. It almost looked as though it was like a, you know, a, a screen or something because they, they were coming in free. And off your back foot, you throw it about 60 yards and you hit Javon Ivory in stride. He catches it with one step before he runs out of the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And I thought to myself, that's one hell of a throw. That's a pressure pack throw. And if you can make that throw, I felt like, man, you, you could do anything. So, um, you know, just taking you back to that moment, like, and, and to be honest, I wanted to beat Temple more than probably more than any player on that field because I felt like that was a game that, you know, or a team that we owed a little something to. And I don't know if that was brought up, you know, prior to you guys playing them, but um, they they needed to have a little something given to them. So, um, you know, great job there. But, you know, you guys end up, you know, finishing, you know, six and six. Um, would you say successful season, you know, middle of the pack, not expectation season? How do you grade a six and six season? Uh, middle of the pack, that's what I'd say. I mean, I've said this a couple of times, like there's just a couple of plays that could have altered our record very easily, like in each game or, I mean, not the, um, not the Houston game, but, or the UCF game, but the other games that we played in like ECU, the two-point conversion, obviously, that changes the game. Um, Tulsa, we missed a couple kicks, and uh, I had I had a bunch of turnovers. And then I'm trying to think the other games. But, like, you know, oh, yeah, Temple, we had a couple fumbles. So, I mean, every single game, like, offensively, we kicked ourselves. Um, so it could have very easily been different, but mediocre, obviously. Six and six, unacceptable. So yeah. you, you you mentioned Jimmy mentions UCF and and I I gotta I gotta throw this little story out there so you know I 
obviously living in Tampa, I'm going to go to Orlando to watch you guys play UCF anytime you're there. Um, and I'm going to go obviously to USF because it's in Tampa. Anytime you guys come pretty, uh, disappointed. You guys play UCF at home this year and you don't play USF at all. So like, what, what, what am I going to do? I guess I'm going to have to, you got to fly in. I made it to three Memphis games and I'm not the Memphis fan, homie. I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I was at Mississippi state and I agree with Seth that that one was fun because, you know, obviously I live in that, in that region and Mississippi State fans were bitter, and that made it so worth it, Daniel. Oh, they 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 just got to do better. I mean, I just... now now it was tough. It was tough, Seth, because what you don't know is we had had Will Rogers on like two weeks before that game. So like you know, we like to root for the guys that come on the show, but Daniel was like, nah, not against I, Memphis. I I told Will Rogers to his face. I said, if you think you're gonna go in. To our house and it's gonna be easy for you you're 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 mistaken you're daniel mistaken. we never really addressed it we'll address it right here with seth he said that they were gonna beat memphis and lsu because that was our teams and he didn't either we're gonna have to talk oh. to him about it uh, maybe we'll bring him back i don't know <laughs> you know i i, I want to go back to ucf because like i'm i'm getting reports obviously you know prior to the game that you're not gonna play um you know Obviously, we're going to have, you know, Peter in. He's going to do his thing. But I see you on the sideline, and I, I, my eyes might be fooling me, but you're on the sideline throwing darts to people. And I said, what is – there's nothing wrong with this guy. Why is he not playing? Put him in. Um, but obviously, I'm sure there was more to the injury and a lot of, you know, precaution going into it. But, um, you know, I, I was – I was a little disappointed when I didn't get to see you play. So I'll say that. So this year, UCF, you owe him a little something. Yep, for sure. Um, you know, obviously, you know, of, of the losses this season, which, which loss would you say was the most frustrating or the most disappointing or the, you know, obviously all losses are hard to take, but which one was the, was the toughest to swallow? Um, I, I would say Houston or, I mean, ECU, obviously, that's just kind of a heartbreaker. Like, um, we could have just kicked the extra point. You know, we missed the two-point conversion. That caused us to lose. Could have played it safe. You know, all these variables. But I would say the Houston game just because I played poorly. And uh, that was my that was my first game back off of the injury. I'm pretty sure. Uh, don't quote me on that. But uh, I missed a lot of throws in that game and uh didn't execute well like there was one play like it was a second down and like I got hit or something when I was scrambling up it was like a two-yard game and I like messed up my knee a little bit and the next play I throw a bad pass but like there's like no excuses to be doing that uh, especially at this level so Houston game I really uh I didn't like that game at all I played bad so that was in my opinion uh the worst loss me so you know you know talking about you know disappointment you know you guys finish six and six you're bowl eligible you get an invite to go to hawaii um you know pretty cool trip you know that that you get to go on you get to play out there um you know something that you know not a lot of teams can say that they were able to do um but the game you know doesn't happen is there what is that like? And, and how take me through like leading up to that decision being made. 
is coach talking to you guys is the university just saying this is how it's going to be or what what was that lead up like um i mean we were practicing in the mornings because we practice in the mornings but um so we had already practiced for the day and so they're letting us out for a little bit before we had meetings uh at night to go over the practices and prepare for the opponent obviously um and then we got a text and it was just like we're having a meeting right now it was like 12 uh, in the afternoon and we're like oh what's happening so then like we're just all walking to the team meeting room uh in hawaii in the hotel and uh we're like obviously someone's gonna be on twitter checking this stuff out and then someone sees the uh hawaii bowl is canceled they have covid there's a covid outbreak and hawaii's football team or whatever so that's obviously the speculation going into the team meeting room and then yeah, I mean, Coach Schofield just said um, the bowl was canceled. There's mixed reactions, obviously. Uh, I was I was sad. Um, the seniors, uh, they they were kind of sad. Some people were happy. They were like, "Oh, it's a free, free trip. We just get to relax," which I can I can understand. You're in Hawaii, like uh, live it up. But some people were were there to you know play a game and win a game. Um, but so it, it was good to have a, a little free vacation, obviously, but uh, I was excited to play the game. So for that not to happen, it was we put a lot of time into it because uh, the break before the game. So um, but at the end of the day, it, whatever happened, happened. And then we got to relax, have fun uh, with our teammates in Hawaii. So that's a once in a lifetime experience, obviously. So I just I just enjoyed it. So yeah, Daniel, right. Go ahead. I was going to say, before you jump into that, let me ask you, you know, we're, we're older. We complain about the new age and technology and social media. How much does it bother you that Silverfield didn't get to break the news himself? I mean, it, um, I, I don't think anybody's ever going to be faster than – That's what I'm saying. Technology. And don't you hate that the coach doesn't get to talk to his players before they know? Like, that's – you know, you're, you were a college baseball coach. Don't you want to talk to your players first? I mean, obviously, yeah. Like, I want the every big message to come from me first. Like, yeah. it, it would suck to, you know, be checking Twitter or get a, a, a notification and you go, oh, well, is this true? Is this not true? And then, you know, there's more speculation than anything, you know, until you do finally hear that, that confirming words from, you know, from the guy, you know, um, or the coach. But yeah, it's 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 definitely a different age. Definitely kind of, you know, is is disappointing in my eyes that the coach doesn't get the final say. Um, but yeah. you know, talking about you know coaches say, um, what is um, Coach Silverfield's message this off season been to you guys? Um, I mean, I guess one of his main uh, points of emphasis would just be that it's a new team, it's a new season, and then. I don't know if he said it too much, but like in my mind, I just think that like we're so overlooked. Like I just see all these polls and I see all these things. I see all the back to the social media stuff. Like I see all these rankings and all this this nothingness. And like we're we're not in the mix. And like I take that personally. Um for our university, our team, and just like for myself too. So I mean, I just can't wait to, you know put it on display because we had a good spring. Uh, both our new coordinators have done a great job. 
a, a great job uh, developing us and teaching us more intricacies of the game and uh, everything like that. Um, so I think we'll just be better all around and nobody expects us to do anything. So, I mean, I kind of, I love it, you know. So obviously new coordinators, uh, you know, new faces, you know, new schemes, new, you know, new formations, all kinds of probably new stuff. Um, but, you know, outside of that, going into this, you know, the off season and going into the upcoming season, what did you say was the one thing that Seth Hennigan needs to work on to improve from last year? Um, well, the main thing I put in my notes is back shoulder throws just on go balls on the outside, just throwing my back shoulders better. But, uh, I mean, I also put third down efficiency and then red zone scoring touchdowns, not kicking field goals. So those are my three main things. But the top one on the board that I put is just being more accurate on my back shoulder balls, which uh, I feel like I did a good job of as the spring progressed. So just getting better every single every single day. I mean, that's that's the key. I mean, obviously, that's coach speak, you know, and, yeah. you know, you you've grown you've grown up in a, in a coach's house. So, you know, coach speak. But I mean, it's it's really the truth that, you know, when coaches talk about, you know, just, you know, stay within yourself, you know, get better every day, you know, control the things you can control, you know, focus on the little things, all of those things. I mean, you know, as simply put, they're they're very simple things, but they're true. Um, you know, you got guys like, you know, Brady White's going to be on the sideline this year. He's spoken, you know, you know, he's on record speaking, you know, very highly of you. Um, what is it like having a guy that's been in your shoes um, and help lead the program to the heights that it is now, um, being there to help guide you, be there as, you know, uh, that, that old sage that can give you wisdom, give you an advice, and it's not like this fluff and guy that's 20 years older than you. It's a guy that just recently stepped out of those shoes. Uh, yeah, it's been great just having him uh, around and – still in our program because uh well the first time I met him was the my spring my first spring before my freshman year um and I just shook his hand and asked for a little bit of advice um just how to play the game and then he ended up coming back for a little bit in the fall just uh, I forgot what he did he didn't he couldn't really be around us too much but I just I got some advice from him he was around uh, and I can look at him as like a friend and a coach. So like, I respect, I respect the hell out of him, but at the same time, he can still like make jokes and understands me. I guess I could say he, he knows the position. Um, he's a great leader. So tapping him back will be great. And then more of a, um, more of a coaching role will be good too. So I can, uh, ask him more questions. I think he can be hands-on on the field too. I'm not really sure what his role is. To be honest, I think he might be with the receivers or something, but just having him around will be good for us, um, good for our team. Just have a have someone to give advice, and he knows the offense too, so uh, he knows football, so he'll be able to help everyone out. Yeah, definitely, very high IQ. Um, you know, yeah. In regards to football, hell, very high IQ when it in regards to school. I mean, yeah. He came on here and uh, we, you know, we argued he was arguably our smartest guest, Daniel. Did we not say like, yeah, he, you know, we would ask him questions and it was like, you know, he would 
you could see how analytical he was. He would process it, and then he would give you like a like a dissertation answer. It was <laughs> unbelievable, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely a, a smart dude, good mind, and and definitely an, an asset and a value value to the program and and to you. Yeah, uh, you know we. You, you, you look at, you know, guys like Calvin Austin, you know, that, you know, John Dykes, guys that are, are, are not necessarily going to be, you know, with the team this year. You got guys, you know, like Javon Ivory, you know, but, you know, outside of that name, give me a guy that nobody has heard of yet, but this time next season they will. Uh, Joe Skates, a transfer from Iowa State is one of the top guys I'd say. And then Markel Jones, he played a little bit for us last year, uh, came off a bad injury. I think his, his freshman year and he had a great spring. Uh, both of them did. So both those guys haven't played for us much. Joe hasn't played for us at all, but they came in and I expect them to have big seasons this season. So what's the one game on, on the, the schedule that you got circle? Um, I'd say Houston. I just I knew that was coming after what you better. said about how you played. Yeah, I knew that was yeah. coming. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Houston or game one, Mississippi State, just trying to start it off the right way. So, but I mean, all of them at the end of the day, just trying to win them all, uh, attack them all with the same exact mindset. Don't think of one game bigger than the other because I mean, last year, like once we won the Mississippi State game, everyone was like, "Oh, we're three and zero. We should be Mississippi State." Like okay, like we're about to do this thing. And then next thing you know, uh, you know, things happen the way they did. So, I mean, just attack every game the same. Just don't think of one game higher than the other. Think of them all at the same level of importance, which in our lives would be the highest, or they should be, uh, because that's that's what we live for. One one week at a time, uh, one, one, one practice at a time, one game at a time, and then, you know, wherever you end up you end up um, you know obviously um we titled you know this episode difference maker because you know every time we are listening to memphis media that's how they characterize you a difference maker um you know would you consider yourself a difference maker um, or do you consider yourself just one piece of the puzzle that, you know, makes this thing work? I'd say difference maker for sure, just because I feel like I changed the outlook of the game for the offensive coordinator. He can do whatever he wants with me. He can, and I'm just continuing to develop too. Like in my eyes, I'm a difference maker when it comes to everything in our program, because I try and lead by example, in everything I do, I work hard in the weight room, which will just lead me to have different variations of success on the field, like in regards to running the ball and doing whatever I can to help our offense be successful and our team be successful. So, I mean, I consider myself a difference maker for sure. Yeah, you no doubt are. And I love that you said weight room. We're going to definitely end on that note to play this game because I love the weight room. <laughs> All right. So we got a game we play with every guest called this or that. Basically, we give you two options. You pick one or the other. The only rules are you can't say neither and you can't say both. You down to play? Yes, sir. 
All right, we're going to find out about this first one. I might cut you off depending on how you answer. Texas barbecue or Memphis barbecue? Texas barbecue. Oh, Lord. All right, we're, we're done here. Uh, <laughs> nice. Good luck this season, Seth. All right, uh, no, Seth, get, give me a quick reason why. Because Memphis barbecue, uh, it's uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's like – Better? It's not moist. <laughs> it's like it's dry. It's dry. Oh, all right, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let that slide. And so to be clear, as we go to these next questions, we have a different set of questions every season. So you're the first one to get a bunch of these. I don't know how they're going to go. We're just going to see. But I say that because this first one's interesting. Does the toilet paper roll belong rolling over or under, Seth? Over. I agree. No argument here. All right, would you rather have no company or bad company? No company. Smart man. What's a more exciting day for you, Christmas or your birthday? Christmas for sure. All right. Would you rather go to any concert or any sporting event? Um, any sporting event. What's the sporting event you're going to if you can pick any of them? I would go to the NBA Finals. Hey, he's still a basketball player at heart, Daniel. He did say the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Who, who was uh... – we had our, one of our last couple guests said that they wanted to go to the NBA finals. Yeah, that's just, that's the spot. I mean, that is where all the famous people are at for sure. All right. So would you rather, and this would be interesting based upon everything you've said so far in this episode, would you rather go through intense pain for an hour or dull pain for an entire day? Uh, intense pain for an hour. I knew he's going to say that, Daniel. He's a, he's a gamer, man. I'm, yeah. I'm sold more and more. All right. So last question, and this is a hypothetical, you know, so this is down in the future. Would you rather have a second chance at love or a second chance of your football career? Um, I mean, I guess a second chance at my football career. <laughs> Forget them ladies. <laughs> That's right, baby. All so right. Seth, dude, it's it's been a pleasure. Anything that you want to plug or promote before we let you roll? I'm good. Thank you, though. Well, I had a feeling you're going to say that. So I took the the, the privilege of, of throwing this out there. If you want to know more about Seth Hennigan, go over to Instagram, type in Seth.Hennigan, and you'll get the whole story. You'll get to see him, you know, at home doing what he does, just a normal guy, or you'll see him out there on the football field doing his thing. But more importantly, Seth, September 3rd, ESPNU, 630. You're going to Starkville, and you're going to take on Mississippi State Bulldogs. So everybody tune into that, man. Seth, we wish you nothing but the best. If there's anything we can do for you this season, please reach out to us, man. Sir, thank you. You got it. That's Seth Hennigan, everybody. We're going to take a break. We're going to plug those sponsors so we can pay the bills around here and keep these lights on. When we come back, we got some headlines. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Q is your guy, Quintavious Burdett, who was once a guest of In Off the Bench, and Ole Miss alumni, who is with REMAX, is the guy who will help you get your home. He is the guy who just helped me get my home. I just closed on my house a few weeks ago in the South Haven area, and Quintavious is the one who set the whole thing up. He is the man. He is one of the top, if not the top, realtor in the Mid-South area. You can get a hold of him at 662 292 7136 for all your real estate needs. 
Have you struggled with weight loss, pain management? Maybe you just lack in energy? I struggled with all these things. And then I got introduced to Truvy, an official sponsor of In Off The Bench. If you download the Truvy app, T-R-U-V-Y, and use the official In Off The Bench code, Easy Money, you can save money and get hooked up today and get your life turned around. Welcome back to the In Off The Bench podcast. And Jim, we got a lot to dis- dissect, especially with baseball, man. Um, we got the draft, we got all-star game, home run derby, standings, we got records being broken, you know, it's, it's so much. So let's let's break it down. Let's start with the draft. Obviously, you know, this podcast has been, you know, a blessing for us. And, you know, we've been able to tell a lot of stories um, on a lot of great athletes and a lot of them have been, you know, college baseball stars that have now had the opportunity of had their dreams fulfilled. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about, you know, obviously you, you have the big hand in scheduling the guests, but, um, also the connections that you made, you, you get a better insight to the family life and meeting the families and going to Omaha, but like, what, Talk to me about our guest and who got drafted, where they got drafted, but like how cool it is of the story that we get to tell, you know, for them and, and, you know, seeing this dream, you know, played out for them. Well, no doubt. And while we're talking about that with the first one, I want to talk about who came off the board at number eight, Brooksley. Let me ask you, you know more about baseball than I ever will. And for Brooksley, three shortstops, because shortstops were going off the board like crazy to start with, I went off the board before him. And they were high school guys. Let me ask you, Daniel, do you want a polished, proven college guy? Or do you want a high school guy? Like, I understand that they feel that those guys could have more upside, but Brooks Lee is proven. Yeah, but a lot of those guys have a have a pretty solid last name. And that's, that's what it comes down to. Um, when your dad's Matt Holiday and... <laughs> I mean, that, that's, you know, Drew Jones and, you know, Crawford, like those names mean something. So, um, you know, obviously it it is. Obviously, I mean, I, I'm sure Brooks is over the moon about where he where got he got five point two you know? million, Daniel. It's, you know, it's at, all good <laughs> at at the end of the day. It's not uh, it's not a, a race or a competition of who's first. It's, you know the journey is really just beginning it's who can make it there not first but make it there and stay there well well, what me and you focus on more so than the money we we know the organizations right like we pay attention to who's good and let's be honest do you really actually want to be in the Orioles organization probably not you know sorry for my boy uh pavaloni but you know what i'm saying like hey the the twins have you know more times than not are fighting in the central for for the crown right more than baltimore is in the east so for brooks that's not a bad situation but let's talk about the next guy that came off the board and daniel this broke my heart um had numerous people text me all our cardinals faithful a lot of them watched drew gilbert this year um all all draft boards said we were going outfield man um and even though we do have a lot of young outfielders that's what it was saying and we went pitcher i thought we were gonna get drew gilbert but i do i do love our pick but drew gilbert then goes to the team that we don't root for no matter what and goes to the Houston Astros. 
and just sick feeling Kevin McDaniel. I didn't know what to do. Like, it's like, I was so happy for the kid. You're talking about family. His mom's posting. He's excited, but it's like, dang, man, the Astros. How do we feel about this? Well, I can tell you this. If there was a team that I felt like the persona of Drew Gilbert fits, it's probably that team. So, yeah, our um, guest Wes Rucker said there's nobody built more for that team because people hated Tennessee and people hate Houston. So he's not going to be bothered by it. Yeah, it's it's I'm interested to see how many bat flips he he <laughs> does now. The uh, it, it was funny because somebody said to Randy and he and he tagged me on Twitter, said uh, that he wasn't a hard worker and he was going to find out in the MLB. And Randy tagged me because is this not the worst take you've ever seen? And it was like. Too. people got the wrong conception of uh of drew gilbert and you know tony vitello who was a guest of the show he was on by the way mlb network he's he's no different than you know tony romo's doing in the booth right now tony is tony vitello is made as soon as he's done coaching baseball he's got a job in the booth daniel this guy was giving such great analysis on the players um, no matter what team he was given props, you know, the next guy I'm going to talk about Landon Sims. He talked about what it was like to watch Landon Sims pitch and, and have his team face him and just what kind of dude he was. And, uh, and the, the legit, uh, you know, we talk about how electrifying he is. He talked about that. And so it was cool to get his analysis. And, and, you know, that was the next guy to go Landon Sims, Arizona at 34, Tidwell at 52, Daniel, and, you know, the Mets got a bargain because we know that Tidwell's only there because he had the injury. He didn't get that much action. They got an absolute stud at 52. And then to finish off the second round of uh, our guys, Logan Tanner went to the Reds, you know, hate it. It's in division, but uh, shout out to Logan Tanner for making Cincinnati. But what I want to start with on today, Daniel, I don't know what to think today. I know that we got – 10 to 15 guests are going to be picked, but it didn't even wait, Daniel. Second pick of the day, our man Jack Brannigan. What do you think, man? I was I was excited. Yeah, I mean, when we talked to him, it was, you know, I very humble answer about, you know, getting drafted. We were obviously, you know, pretty much, you know, shooing him in to be drafted. But, you know, he's just like, you know, well, we'll see what happens and, you know, pretty excited for him i mean definitely a a, a good pickup and you know he went knows? to the pirates by the way so no uh, these guys are all going to the central just not going to our team so if they do make it up so next no surprise the very next pick as a matter of fact daniel trey lipson goes to the to washington nationals um and then Jalen battles man uh he ends up to going the, to the raise how how excited because you know the upside of that kid yeah, I mean, I think a, a guy like him fits in perfectly with the system that the Rays have. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be a matter of of being a guy who's going to fill roles and and go out there and be very consistent. Um, they're not going to have any superstars that are going to beat the doors down and do crazy things. Um, they're just going to have a really you know good roster of guys that work hard and and are consistent i mean the only thing Jalen battles has to do is improve that batting average when you talk about defensively it doesn't get any better and then when you talk about power he's got it he's just he's got to put the the bat on the ball more but um yeah i think the the rays absolutely nailed it and like you said with their way they do metrics in the defense um he'll fit right in now the next pick is a surprise um 
when you look at what Derek Diamond did this year, Ole Miss, and the struggle that he had, we obviously knew the potential. We talked to him about it when we had him on here. Um, we, we know about his upside, but unfortunately, it didn't show very much this year. Fell out of the weekend rotation, but Daniel, he ends up coming off the board, um, you know, in, in round uh, four, you know, no, five, excuse me, I apologize. Anyway, like, you know, like I said, I just, I just brought up a minute ago, talking about the knowledge of baseball. Is a scout obviously able to put aside what they saw this past season and know the potential, um, you know, like we talked about preseason? Yeah, so, you know, good habits aren't forgotten from year to year by, you know, team success. Um, bad habits are, 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 are quickly remembered, but you got to look at the overall body of work and what, what's, you know, happening, you know, from one year to the next, the progression, you know, what they are able to achieve one year, maybe not, not be the same the next year, but that's baseball. Baseball is a tough game. If you look at, you know, only the superstars in this game have really, really consistent seasons. Everyone else has, you know, average to, you know, good or below average. They float, they flirt that line up and down. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think scouts know that they see that they know what they're looking for. They're looking for tools and they're looking for, um, for abilities and obviously the results they want to see that but they feel like if they have the tools and the work and the ability they can get you to have the results and that's really what they're paying for yeah no doubt so the next one the next guy to come off the board is a pitcher from Ole Miss obviously I just got off spending a weekend in Atlanta with him um you know I know what he wants to do um but that's not for me to put out here but I ask you this Delusia going in the sixth round is he have a chance to come back and go higher in your opinion, or is it smart to ride out high coming off the national championship, most outstanding player and go ahead and start his pro career? Your I opinion. think, I think he should start his pro career. In my opinion, um, in, in his particular case, I think he built his stock to a really viable level um i think for him to maintain the stock where it is or i think he could maintain the stock where it is but to increase it would be extremely difficult for him to do and he would have to have just a unbelievable season in an unbelievable league and they would have to win you know same amount of games and put themselves in the same position for him you know to improve that Plus, he's young, he's talented, he's got the tools. I say, you know, take it while you can. Yeah, no, no doubt. I know this. My man, uh, he owes me a few drinks, you know, to to pay back from from Arkansas or from uh, Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Like with the payday, he just got. I think I'm owed a few. What do you think? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, no doubt. So to continue to move on. Ole Miss, man, they they didn't they didn't hit early, but man, they hit in a row. Um, coming out behind them was Hayden Dunhurst. Uh, man, actually on this graphic it doesn't say I had it on the other one. Hang tight for ten seconds. He went to the Royals. All right, 
And then after that, which we know his talent, Hayden Dunhurst has got an absolute gun. He's just got to get better behind the plate. This is my, this is probably one of my favorites, Daniel, because we like the guys who overshoot expectations. We talked about Chad Dallas last year, right? Um, was never highly projected, goes out and has a great season, ends up getting drafted, you know, uh, was that fifth round. He wasn't even projected to go in the, the top 10 rounds. Um, and so Preston Johnson from Mississippi State, man, I know you missed that episode, but uh, he's a class act. And he ends up going in the seventh round um, to the Orioles. So he's actually going to join Pavs, but um, just a guy who really works hard, man. He's not he's not the scariest dude when you see him on the mound, but he's got an arsenal of pitches. And you know this, when it's same thing with Delucia that Michael Turner talked about. If you got four pitches and you can locate them, you know, something to work with. Yeah, I mean, if you can throw four pitches for strikes and you can keep guys off balance, you you got a chance. Um, there there's going to be a spot for you. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things, man. It's you'll you you'll be surprised at what who ends up making it and being successful in the league and who doesn't. You know, you might have ninety percent of the first rounders right now not even, you know, get a call up. Right. You might have a hundred percent of them get a call up at some point. It's it, it, there's no rhyme or reason. You might have, you know, 90% of your fifth round picks in this year's draft get a call up while 30% of the fourth round picks, you know, get a call up. It, it really, you there's the organization, the development on your part, and a little bit of luck that goes in it. You got to stay, you know, injury free for the most part. You got to develop. You got to be with the right club. You can't get, you know, shipped around left and right to this club and that club. You know, you got to, and you got to stay a part of the, the team or a team. So it'll be, yeah. it'll be crazy to see. Yeah. And I got to ask a question and, and I don't, um, I don't mind saying this on air because we were just, we were just talking about them. And I, you know, I'm not afraid to, they asked, who could I see out of all the guests making it pro, right? And then I said, let me leave it. It's funny you said the first and second round. I said, let's go to the not first and second round, guys. I went with the guys from today because the question was posed after today. And we talked about it. And I think Brannigan is that guy. And we talked about it because also he – the dude is labeled – he could end up pitching for all we know. But you know he can play third base. He played first base some. He he can move around, do whatever. But the dude can swing it. Um, and then Jalen battles. Um, you know, so so we talked about that. Any of these guys can, like you said, maybe none of them do. But I, if I was to bet money, I would bet on those two guys from from all the ones that came today, the ten picks. Um, the next one to go. The next two guys go to the same location, man. Michael Turner and Tim Elko, man, to the South Side, to the White Sox, breaking breaking Mike Hughes' heart over there. Um, you know, both those guys, uh, veterans, tremendous. And then we finished the day, man, there wasn't a better way to end the day, Daniel, than Josh Hatcher getting drafted. Um, he went to the Rangers and, you know, Hatcher, we talked about it. We had him on here. Um, obviously he was in Atlanta with me too, but you know, he went to Kennesaw state, man. And, and like he told us, he had to he had to get loose, had to have fun, get back to it again, and ultimately it paid off. He got a national championship in Mississippi State. He went to Kennesaw State, got him to the postseason, um, led the nation in hits, and ultimately got drafted in the tenth round. So I mean, Hatcher, this, this last year and a half, absolutely has killed it. 
Yeah. I mean, I would say he's an example of a guy that got himself drafted. You know, because he wasn't even on a board after Mississippi state last year. Correct. And now, you know, he goes out and puts himself in position to get drafted. And, you know, to me, I, I think there's, there's no better satisfaction for a player than to do something like that. Um, it's one thing to say, I'm going to get drafted. I want to increase my draft stock and try to be drafted in a higher round. So I go back to school. It's another to go, you know what? I'm going to leave a national championship team and transfer to Kennesaw state where I'm going to improve my, my draft status. And then does it because he has that phenomenal of a season. So like I, that, yeah. that's big time. And I messaged him and I said, it's time to go to work. And he said, already on it. Like, I mean, you know how that dude is. Um, so I expect nothing but the best from Hatch. But congratulations to the 15 guys. And Daniel, I expect I'm not, I'm not going to go through them right now. But I got at least eight guys I expect that are guests of the show to go tomorrow. So hopefully we'll be talking about that next week, showing them some love. Um, the only one that I'm curious if he'll get drafted, and and he's got to, man, um, Evan Russell, bro. We love that guy. And and with that note, um, nine Tennessee volunteers drafted, Daniel, most uh, in their history, even back when there were 40 rounds. Um, does that just cement, even though they didn't get the national championship, we've talked about since 1999, the best team never wins. Does – putting out that many pros does that kind of just cement how good that roster was yeah i mean it's um trying to think of like uh another team that's a an example of that i mean i'm sure there's some out there but yeah i mean well let's put it this way lsu football right put up 14 14 guys in the draft you know and, and it's not like that's a that's that's a reoccurring thing for those guys. They put guys in the NFL and like, yeah, like that's a big deal to be able to do it year after year, having guys in the NFL, not only just get there, but like some and, of those guys for LSU are like the best players in the league at their respective spe- positions. Especially those receivers, especially receiver. <laughs> like, I mean, Hey, you know what was funny? Uh, and we'll get we can get to football later if you want. But Jefferson comes out and says he'll be the best receiver in the NFL. And my first thought, Daniel, was no, you next won't because year. you're t- no, but no. He said next year, but I said my thought to myself was no, you won't because your teammate from LSU won't let it happen. <laughs> hey, nope. But but final thought on, on Tennessee, uh, Daniel. Here's here's the crazy part: they had nine guys go, and nobody from the starting rotation. What does that tell you? All these Tennessee guys I've seen, they're losing their mind because they're not players, but fans talking about, man, I don't know if we'll be as good next year. It's like your whole starting rotation is coming back. And Halverson decided to come back. So you actually still got four guys. Pitching wins games, bro. Yep. You got to score one, though. Hey, they got to, they got, hey, Blake Berg is still coming back. He can drop, he can drop your bombs, but we'll move on. We'll move on to the MLB as a whole, but man, proud of all those guys. Yeah, man. So let's let's talk All Star Game. Obviously, I mean. Uh, so let me ask you this: So is time is is the season moving fast, or were we preoccupied with with college baseball to the point where we're at the All Star break and like I feel like it's here very quickly. 
Um, I think we were focused on college baseball, but I think it's kind of a blessing, Daniel, because you know how long the baseball season is. And now is usually when people start to really pay attention. And so now it has our undivided attention at the right time. Very true. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at the all-star game, obviously, you know, some, some of the names that we typically see from year to year, but what is your take on the all-stars national league and American league? Uh, well, first, you know, it would be wrong if we didn't talk about a guest first. Uh, shout out to Austin Riley. Ended up making it. Um, you know, just to drop his stats, 285 batting average obviously needs to come up. But 27 home runs, which is third in the majors, 61 RBIs, which is ninth, and uh, 922 OPS, which is eighth. So um, rightfully deserved to be on there. So very happy about it. We obviously talked about um, – you know, how amazing the uniforms are, but I think they got the players right. And then I'm looking at, you know, watching this home run derby, looking at just being in LA, um, everything kind of feels right, Daniel. And they had the draft there. Like, you know, they, they did it. MLB did really good this year of, of everything across the board. And, you know, now that Austin's in, that was the only guy I felt that, you know, was left off and, you know, they did their thing by putting Cabrera and Pujols in. So I feel good about the MLB and, and what they've done. You realize the American League has won the past five All-Star games? Uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, honestly, I don't know, man. I feel I feel like his – obviously, the, the Dodgers won it last year, but – I mean, excuse me, the Braves won it last year, but – and it was actually the Dodgers year before that, wasn't it? Yeah, so actually back-to-back National League champion, but it almost feels like when we talk about playoffs, right, has it not felt like the American League's been the more loaded? Yeah, I just think you you start getting into the weeds of the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I mean, yeah, the, look at the East. The within itself. Look at the East yeah. within itself. Like, y'all, y'all got three teams that, like, I put up against anybody in the National League all day. I mean, and, and speaking of, of American League East, you know who's starting for the American League All-Star game? Who's that? Tampa Bay Ray. Shane <laughs> McClanahan. Get it, Shane. Go ahead, big dog. Now, uh, let's let's break it down a little bit. Let's let's take a look at the, the NL. I mean, you got just starters. You got Acuna. You got Betts, Machado, Goldschmidt, Turner, Contreras, um, Contreras, Jock Peterson, and McNeil, you know, to round it out, you got Clayton Kershaw on the mound, which we all knew that was going to be a given. I mean, given where they're at, and um, but if, if to me looking at that lineup and looking at who's on the mound, if if you're going to win, this is the year, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. If you turn around and looked at the American League, <laughs> well, let's let's go there. I mean, you got Otani, you got Judge, you got Devers, you got. Guerrero Jr., you got Stanton, Buxton, Anderson, Jimenez, and Kirk. Like, I still, like, I still feel like as a whole that the National League lineup is better. I think you're probably right. And, hey, I'm going to own something on the show. I had to look up who Kirk was, which, hey, man, um, looking at his stat line for the Blue Jays, well done, young man. You did you, – you did good to where I didn't even know who you were. He was the only guy that you listed off for the American League or National League. I didn't know who he was, but he deserves to be there looking at the stats he's putting up. 
are you are you disappointed they didn't start Otani on the mound and then just bring him right into the game? That's what I that's what I would do. Um, Even as just the the DH or, or something. I don't know. Like but but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about something. Um you said that he, about the he, NL He is DH and so I mean he he could, but you talked about the NL lineup. I don't know, man. The names might be kind of stealing some of those votes because I want you to look at the batting average of of three players, but two particular, because I, I've watched the Braves and the Cardinals as much as anybody, just like last year. And Ronald Acuna is in there on namesake. Um, you know, he's batting 265. He hasn't been doing the best, and neither has bet. So, um, and, and Jock Peterson to be the third guy. So those names, we see the names, and when you read them off, they're big time. But if you look at the way they're playing, um, it, it doesn't actually match up as much. Yeah, but I mean, I think we we've talked about that in the past. Is that that's the one flaw I think that you have with All Star games is that it's fan votes. So, you know, Jock Peterson is riding a popularity wave that's probably gotten him in pearls, baby. <laughs> this this season, when the reality is, is maybe he didn't necessarily deserve maybe deserves to be on the team but not necessarily a starter all right well um, you said you, you sound like you've sold yourself are you picking the national league i need you to do it right here are you doing it you know it's gonna come down to the rotation of arms that they throw out there but given what i'm looking at if i had to base it off a starting lineup yes i'm gonna go clayton kershaw at home and yeah, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go American League. I'm gonna go opposite you. I hate to do that. I hate to do that to Austin, but I'm I'm gonna do that. But Daniel, we got to get into something now that we made those picks because we got to make a pick right now. The finals of the home run derby is starting right now. It is Juan Soto against the phenom Julio Rodriguez, who did in fact they did tally that 31st home run. So back to back 31 home runs sessions who's winning this still think he's gonna run out of gas i said that last <laughs> round and he ended up hitting another 31 but um i mean i think juan soto is going to need that extra million dollars because he just turned down <laughs> 440 so yeah you know juan soto go ahead man you need it all right well while while or before we get into to Juan Soto, let me let me tell you something. Julio Rodriguez, I'm aware of who he is, but now he's got a fan. Like, what a move by this guy to come out here in the home run derby, 21 years old, fastest swing in baseball, and just tee off. Do you know how many fans this dude has picked up today? Like, build your brand, young man. Yeah, he's trending all over the socials right now because of, of that. Um I don't know how many how many home runs do you think he's got in the tank? Uh, he just hit the first two out, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, so the credit, like one of the things that I think is is overlooked, is who is throwing the baseballs to these guys? They and they no, it, they they actually talked about it beforehand. And if you can get in sync with your BP, you know you know that if they put them right where you like them over and over again you're gonna be successful yeah i just think for a pitcher i've thrown 
I've thrown a lot of BP in my life. With a catcher behind the plate, it's it's much easier. But I will say this: the pressure to locate. I think there's more pressure for those guys to locate than it is for guys pitching in in, in an actual game. I agree. I, I I wouldn't want the pressure of doing BP because how many times have you seen in previous seasons where there has been guys get mad, even when it's been like their dad or their brother, <laughs> they're getting pissed off. And I'm trying to think there was somebody, it was in the last couple of years who did terrible. Um, they couldn't throw a strike to save his life. And it was, and it was a family member. And I thought, damn, Thanksgiving's going to be rough. Like <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta choose your, your, your thrower wisely. So he got seven in the first minute and called a timeout. There's only two minutes in the finals. He's already earned the 30-second bonus because he's hit so many over 440 feet. I will tell you that while he has hit a bunch of 440 feet, to your point, he has had uh, three hit the wall, which is showing that he's, he's losing a little juice. But I'm, I'm feeling good. But like I said, he's got – hey. And so let's tie, let's tie that to something real quick. Daniel, let's – I know we're not in the standings that we're talking all-star and home run derby. The Mariners are on a 14 game win streak, dude. What's going on? Um, <laughs> they're scoring more runs than the other teams. Now, I, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe looking at their schedule, they're finding a stride. Maybe well, they're call, call ups like, you know, Rodriguez. Well, let's look at it. Let's see. They, well, you aren't, you aren't wrong. They have beaten the, uh, the A's and the angels. <laughs> And the A's again, and the Royals. So you might have been onto something there. That, yeah, I mean, hey, but you play who's in front of you, right? You don't get to pick who's in front of you. Just show up and play. Yeah, I mean, if there was ever a time where they were going to go on a fourteen-game run, those twelve games are are the ones to do it. Um, oh, you know what? Don't... I apologize. Hey, you know what? I apologize. I apologize. I picked the Astros on accident because that's who play first. Not that this is much better, but it's the Rangers, the Nationals, the Blue Jays, and the Padres. Hey, the Blues, Blue Jays and the Padres are good. But, yeah, the they had the Nationals, the Rangers, and they had the A's to start that streak. So, still a lot of the same things. But I still got to apologize. I was looking at the wrong schedule. But, yeah, that's – the only quality team in there is is the Padres because the, the Jays have kind of fell off a little bit. And you know what's crazy? They, go, they win 14 in a row, and they're still nine games back. Yeah, the the Astros are doing what we don't want them to do. It's very unfortunate. Well, I mean, they're six and four of their last ten. They did lose lose their last one, but I mean, it's just a good baseball team. They're, they're putting up run, they're putting up yeah. runs for sure. But I mean, they're not doing it. I tell you, I was looking at how many runs, and they do have a lot. But tell you what, they're not putting them up the clip that the the Yankees are. That's for sure. No, I mean, the Yankees run differentials like. Almost 199, yeah. Crazy. So he ended up with 14 and only got 30 seconds of bonus. How many is he hitting in this 30 seconds, Daniel? I'm going to go with three. Uh, I'll go four. I'll go four. I like it. I want him to hit more. All right, so while he's getting ready to hit, going back to what we're doing, hey, I said something about Brooks Lee going to the Twins. Um, Man, they're three and seven in their last 10 and now only hold a two-game lead on Cleveland. Um, but when you look at the the central, it just hasn't been very impressive. I mean, is that's I still feel like Minnesota's gonna hold on there, even with a tough stretch. I know there's a lot of season, but I, I just don't I don't know, because the White Sox haven't been what they're supposed to, even though they're three back. I don't know. Do the White Sox make a push? I don't think it'll be Cleveland. 
Um, I mean, don't count out them Guardians now. You hate it, don't you? You're a major league fan. Yeah, it's your movie. It's, it it's tough. Um, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily count out the White Sox either. Um, obviously they they were just there. It's not like they're that too far removed from winning that thing. Um, you know, and at, at a time last season, they were the best team in baseball. So I, I think the White Sox for me are the, the team in that division. If we're looking for a team to make a run and a push, um, you know, but I, I do think the twins are still going to hold on. Yeah. I, I like the twins to do it. So who do you think was right? Me or you? Me. Neither. My boy Neither. crushed five. 30, 30 <laughs> seconds. Oh man! Hey, no, no pressure to Juan Soto. So let's talk about it before Juan comes up, man. Me and Randy went at bat, and I'm so glad that he is not on tonight's episode. I love my guy. I want him here, but we are on the opposite side of Juan Soto. I do not believe he's worth 440 million. Not only do the stats indicate it, I don't care what the market value is. I understand Randy's point, and the market says he could get more money. But his stat says he's not worth it. But more so, Daniel, I think about this. I'm an actual baseball fan. I go to Atlanta. They're playing the Nationals. I didn't even care when Juan Soto came up to bat. There's 50 other guys I'd rather go see. And so if you're not a, if you're not putting up top 10 guy stats, he's not even putting up top 25 player stats, and you're not a guy that people pay big bucks to go see, how is he worth $440 million? Very good point. Um, so here's my take. On him, I don't think any player is worth $440 million. But what I will say in regards to him, I think the market value is, he's right. Like, he could make more money somewhere else. But here's the thing. If he turns down 440 who else is going to offer him more than that? I would I, if if I was every team now I would lowball the shit out of. Well, them. the the funny part is the team that's rumored the most, Daniel, is the Cardinals. And look, I understand we went and got Goldsmith and Arnado, which is not in our DNA. There ain't no way we're we're doing anything for that guy for that kind of money, especially when I don't think we even need him in our infield. What I mean, as far as defense go, infield defense, like. Where do the Cardinals stack up? I number I one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, my point being is, I don't think if you're signing him for defensive purposes, that you're. I don't think you're going to get good enough to pay the guy four forty. The right. guy also needs to hit forty home runs for you as well, and. You know what I really liked about the contract that they offered Daniel, and a lot of people they break it down to per year and they're talking about how many more guys get paid more per year. Cause it only break down to 29 million per year, but it's over 15 years, Daniel. And I thought about it and um, you know, I'll pull up his age while I'm talking about, but I thought about how long that is. And I thought about security in life, right? Like you're going to be getting paid for a long time. Like in, in it, uh, and by not having it front loaded, it prevents you from blowing through it. Right. So he is 23 years old. It's till he's 38, 39, depending. Daniel, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of security, bro. That's a career, but how many guys 
are going to sign a contract for that long and stay with that team for that entire contract. I especially mean, if it's they never it's, do especially if it breaks down to 29 mil a year but like you said okay so you made a statement that nobody deserves that much and i immediately shook my head yes and agreed and i've and i've been saying that but that's where the second part of my statement about being in atlanta was how many people go to see bryce harper how many people go to see mike trout you know what i'm saying like at least those guys are an attraction that people are going to go see if i if i go to la today for a weekend the first thing i'm probably looking to see is there a chance to see trout notani you know same thing in philly if i'm in philly yo is bryce harper in town playing you know what i'm saying like that that's that's why those guys maybe they're not like you said maybe no guys worth it but you know same thing kershaw like like there's there's a and i'm not gonna sit here and pull off the whole list but there's guys that you want to go see i feel like in cardinals when i went to st louis getting to see arnado and goldsmith is fantastic and they and that game i went they both hit a home run didn't let me down yeah i mean um names are are attractors and attractors get paid now is so going back to juan soto is juan soto an attractor is he a name is he someone that you're gonna go man i'm traveling to chicago i can't wait to (laughs) go see juan soto play or I'm traveling to Cincinnati or, you know, I can't wait to see Juan Soto play. I'm just picking, you know, arbitrate. Well, know, I look, look at it, look at it right now. So he's going against Rodriguez in the, in this final round. And just based off what I've seen from Rodriguez, I'd rather well go watch Rodriguez play right now than Soto. <laughs> like I want to see this kid who swings 97 miles an hour. I'll tell you this. So I know you've seen Soto play. He did garner my attention in Atlanta. That dude's batting stance, the how wide his feet are. Jesus. It just looks uncomfortable standing that way, let alone batting that way. Hey, it works. Yeah, it, it, it works. He's gonna lose, by the way. He is uh he's only got four and over in a minute. Mm. The kid, good, good million well, dollars. Master. Hey, he didn't run out of gas. Hey, he I, I ain't nothing better than being proved wrong by the youngs. We both thought he'd run out of gas. I have no problem with him proving us wrong. No, not at all. All right, man. Let's 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 go last call. Obviously, we did draft. We talked All Star Game. We talked Home Run Derby. But last call. What you got? Uh man. Uh, college football. You know, we need to talk about it, Daniel. We talked about it a little before the episode. Um, conference realigner. You know, it's it's getting to be a lot. Um, you know, I want to get your take that we were just talking about in regards to the big 12 and the pac 12, I mean, it absolutely has to happen, right? They got to find a way to get together. I mean, it, but all reports are saying they've shut all that shit down. Like I, I don't know how they feasibly survive if they don't come together because tell me, I mean, obviously SEC's wanting to make it 20 teams. What 20 teams can you even put together in any one of those two conferences if you don't merge the both of them together? You can't. And like we said, it's not even just merging those two. You got to go pick off the remains of ACC. You got to go get your best men majors. I mean, you got to, I mean, you got to put some work in, but I mean, if you want to stay relevant and not get left behind. But I mean, geographically speaking, obviously, I think 
the ACC teams that are that are there, it's going to be more attractive for them to go to the Big Twelve than it would be for them to go to the Pac twelve, right? Yeah. So, like, if if that's the thing, like the Pac twelve is in a bad shape because who, like, who else are they going to pull? They're they're resting their laurels on teams like Oregon and Utah and Washington, I guess, you know, but I mean, who, who else, who else do they got? UCLA, Stanford. I mean, you're, those, you're those, those teams don't get it done. Hey, um, Daniel, I got to do a curveball, man, on football. Juan Soto's just made me eat it by hitting eight consecutive out and earn the extra minute. He's at 15 with a minute. No, he's got more than a shot. He got 15 with a minute left. He was sitting on four with a minute left and ended with 15. That's 11 in a minute, Daniel. 11 in a minute. Damn it. Maybe he's worth $448. But, no, back back to the topic. Um, It's just got to happen. And, you know, I think I told you all guys about this. You know, I was listening to Chris Vernon the other day, and he said, man, I hate to sound like an old head, but I just wish it went back to the way it was. Obviously, we're not going to get that. Um, it's all about money. Like, you know, if Randy was here, he'd break it all down for us. But I'm just asking you uh, hypothetically, do you wish it was just the way it was when we were kids? Yeah, but, I mean, yes and no. Yes, I would prefer that over the – the asymmetry that we have now um the irregularity that we have now i mean honestly i would rather them just make a huge playoff and like play it out so so my so my final question for you on this and we'll put it to bed for now um we had seth hennigan memphis on you know i know you've been paying close attention what do you think ultimately happens to memphis in this I think they're on the outside looking in. And so for a team like that, I mean, that, you know, obviously Cincinnati made that run last year. I mean, that basically means they would never have a chance at a playoff because you wouldn't have the, you wouldn't have the wins. You wouldn't have the credibility of the teams from the power two power conferences. You just won't. Yeah. But I mean, what is there any difference in now? Do they have a, do they have a chance? Well, Cincinnati made it, made it where you, you now know that if, if everything broke right. But, I mean, now you look at the way the SEC will be, you might have a three-loss team in the playoff, like, because of who you've played. Yeah. I mean, even even the year that Memphis went to the Cotton Bowl, let's say they run the table, I still don't think that year they get in. They don't. So, I mean, they who would they go up against? Joe Burrow and LSU. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks for that. You know. Well, Daniel, what a perfect time to end this show because I'm depressed, man. Juan Soto won. Man. Turd. turd. Killed it for the kid, man. He and hey, because of your point, well, no matter what, we know he's getting a contract. Like he's just gonna get paid, man. Let the let the kid have his million dollars, bro. Look, dude, I don't, I don't care who's <laughs> on the other side. I ain't just going to let somebody have my million dollars. Does this give him any – does a home run derby give you any star power to what I was just talking about to where people might want to see you more? Of course. 
Uh, I mean, screw him. I don't want to see him. <laughs> no mas. No mas. The best thing he no did in the game no. I went to was he he got a single. That's it. Look, and there's Mike Hughes messaging me. That's a $440 million champion. Tell him we're on air dogging him right now. Yeah, Mike, enjoy, enjoy it while it lasts because he ain't going to be there much longer. That's for sure. But Jim, anything else before we bounce? Nah, man. Great way to yeah. start the season. That's right, man. We got uh we we talked draft. Had a lot of a lot of our guys get drafted, man. It was a, a it's been a good run. And obviously we got a lot of good guests, you know, start of season six. Um, you know, what a what a way to start it off, dude. So uh shout out to you know Juan Soto. Not a big fan of money, but you're obviously a fan of a million dollars. So there you go. You, in, in Jim's words, you, you took the kid's money. <laughs> you, took his, you took his lunch money and ran. What a bully. What a bully. <laughs> All right, Jim, let's get out of here, man. I want to thank our guest, Seth Hennigan, for joining us. If you like hearing Seth's story or you just want to hear us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll see everybody next week where we got Season 6, Episode 2 coming your way. We're bringing on our friend. And, Jim, I got to say this, man. It's, it's a little different. He's still a tiger, but he's a different kind of tiger. <laughs> we got Morris Joseph Jr., who's now transferred over to the Auburn Tigers. We're going to get his story. We're going to talk the whole transfer. We're going to talk about, you know, the upcoming season at Auburn and, and what the expectations are. So you're not going to want to miss it. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.